Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border from, uh, well, Maine this time. I'm in this little nice city called Bath, or Bath, I don't really know how to pronounce it. I uh, had lobster for the first time ever in my life yesterday. And as you can hear, I'm way more relaxed because I'm no longer massively jet-lagging all the time. And also, well, New York is beautiful, extremely beautiful. But, uh, well, it's better for recording if you're doing it in a bit of a more of a peaceful environment. But I'll be back. I'll be visiting Boston for two days now. I'm going to be there starting tomorrow and then leaving on 13th. And on 13th, I live. I leave for um, for Washington D.C. And then I'm gonna back, gonna go back to New York. And then I'm gonna leave for home on the 19th. So hey, if you missed the uh, speaking event, which well, <laughs> a lot of you didn't. A lot of you came, which I was super happy about. Well, if you missed that, then uh, feel free to just message us on Twitter, and I'll try my best to respond, or on Facebook, because I don't check that that often, but. Hey, the troll ban that I got for a week again because of Russia's trolls, that's lifted. So I guess that's a, that's a nice change for a while. However, well, a lot of important things have happened, which is why I'm making this episode. You see, as many of you have heard probably, on the afternoon of Tuesday, August the 9th, a series of massive explosions occurred in the village of Novefedorovka in the Saki district of the annexed Crimea. Uh, you've probably seen the videos, that's the ones that caused Russian tourists, who I don't know why were there, but they were there, to run away and get really scared and ask, why us, what happened? Well, we'll get to that. This is war, after all. But, well, Ukrainian side claims and has proven evidence that, well, the explosion happened in a Saki aerodrome. And we have seen, like, pictures from the air and we have seen pictures uh, from satellites and you know everything and it seems that multiple russian planes were destroyed close to 40 about 36 or something it's a it's a lot of planes however the interesting part is that well a lot of people on the russian side commented on this and of course we got through a lot of a lot of shock waves and a lot of issues we we walked through the official explanation that it wasn't that it wasn't like a whole, you know, act of war. It that was just a random, random event thing happening. This sent a lot of 
kind of shockwaves through the whole Telegram sphere of everything. And, uh, well, my nice colleagues at wartranslated.com, well, you know, they translated a bunch of these. And I'll add some of my own, which they hadn't really had the time to translate, of course, such as, well, what Gidkin states, because, as you all know by now, we love you, got Gidkin here on the show. And, uh, well, interestingly enough, we can also get hmm, a Wagner Group, Wagner Group uh, opinion on this whole matter. Then, first of all, there comes Roman Donitetsky, a very, uh, very kind of important blogger, AliveJournal.ru, very popular for his daily updates, damning Ukrainians and the West at every opportunity. And, you know, he, he appears to attempt to minimize the results of the attack, because just like with uh, the cruiser ship Moscow, this is a kind of a huge strike at Russian's morale. Quote, What is known? The planes did not seem to be affected, no matter what's been said. Ammunitions, yes. Fuel and lubricants, most likely, too. One dead, four wounded, but unclear if military or civilians. The runway is not damaged, the hangars are most likely too. Therefore, the damage is extremely minimal. Yet there is also a media category. Media, of course, describes everything as utter chaos, including problems for tourists in Crimea and the need to strengthen air defense. And in the sense of morale, summing up, it reminds the history of Moskva, the ship. In terms of material losses, they are not critical, but in terms of prestige, a blow with a sledgehammer. It is logical. The moral effect is easier to achieve. And uh, if you go and look up the satellite images, which you can find on any respectful media, you'll see how those uh, totally uh, totally unaffected planes look like, which is kind of crazy. Wagner Group, however, guys from private warfare company Wagner, kind of tried to calm everyone down with a <clears throat> highly encouraging... Po- this is in super sarcasm mode, post about the enemy and the supreme and glorious commander-in-chief, Mr. Putin himself. Now, if you'll excuse me, if I switch if I switch to um, sarcasm mode in the midst of some of these quotes, well, it's because not that easy to, you know, read them all with a straight face, but it is what it is. Mm. So, what does, well, Wagner Group say? Quote, Today is another day of everything losers. Explosions in the Crimea. Many versions from bright sun and cigarette butts and harpoon strikes. Since I don't believe in fairy tales much, and in general I have real attitude towards things, I'll leave out the most painful topic. Missile strike on the airfield. I read the comments. I marvel. Guys, if you have no one to explain, explain it to you, I'll try to do that. If the most brutal version, which is the missile strike, is true, I want to tell you that absolutely nothing happened since a, and this is in all caps, special military operation is underway. Our country, by which he means the author of the Wagner Group, means Russia, obviously, is solving its tasks set by the supreme commander-in-chief. The enemy was supplied with the most modern types of weapons. They have the opportunity to get to one or another military facility. There are many such cases. In places the air defense works 100% in other new enemy systems can deceive the air defense. In addition to the conflict, there is also a technological war. Somewhere we win, somewhere the enemy. Many simple live in their little worlds and think that the conflict is somewhere far away. No, guys, it's at, our, it's, at, it's at our house. We didn't give ultimatums before the announcement of the special military operation for no reason. It's time for many to wake up and treat things realistically, until we win. Such cases will be repeated, and it doesn't matter at all whether it's rockets or a cigarette butt flared up. I'm still waiting. How can you explain the loss of 30 planes and a bunch of ammo dumps and explosions in multiple locations with cigarette butts, but 
Okay, technically anything's possible. And then there's uh, someone called <clears throat> Starshine Eddie. And that's a, that's a pretty interesting channel. And, uh, well, although he has over a half a million followers, he really resorted to just a very short note, since, um, well, these are not happy news for Russians. Quote, Frankly, I don't know what was the reason for the explosion of the ammo cache at the Crimea airdrome, but to me, it's better to be a Ukrainian rocket than human factor. This also combines the things, this is another way of coping, since the official position at the start of this was, well, you know, nothing happened from the official Maria Zaharov and everyone on the official channels, they started out with the usual, nothing happened, then they switched to nothing serious happened, and then they switched to, well, nothing serious happened, and it was an accident, and then finally they moved on to, we will not forgive this, uh, this is crossing the red line, this is an attack on Crimea. All in the span of one day, which is, which is, which why it's so interesting to kind of do these common things, and, you know, United States time has given me some perspective on this. Since, well, when I wake up, I go through not from first category of Russian excuses to the fourth, I can skip straight to third, because, you know, different time zones, and uh, then just third and then fourth, so it's always funny. However, there is another channel called Militia Summaries Zov, that's a super pro-Russian, pro-war, another channel, and they have about 300,000 followers. He says the information about population running from the area was fake. You know, the video that's all over Facebook and YouTube and everywhere. There were no issues on the Crimean Bridge. No emergency regime has been established. And likely that it wasn't an explosion at all. Probably some kid launched a few fireworks for birthday party. No, really, that's, um, that's just basically copium. <laughs> copium and utter denial. And then, one of the interesting comments that I saw was when one Andrei Medvedev drew a parallel between his friend who was in jail four times and the explosions in Crimea, saying neither of the proposed explanations that the official Russian side is posting make any sense to him. Quote, Summary of explosions in the Crimea. I had a classmate in elementary school. He was later in jail four times. He said one day, I'm going to get a job and I'm thinking, what do I even say? That I have four prison terms or four classes of education? What sounds worse? Here's the same case with Nova Fedorovka. Whatever the reason, the HIMARS strike, the work of saboteurs, or the negligence of personnel, human error, any version sounds so-so. Each of the options requires tough response decisions and the adoption of a set of measures, which in any case must be systemic. Not momentary changes, but precisely changes in the systemic attitudes to air defense, the work against saboteurs and the underground, and finally to the storage and unloading of ammunition. After all, in the 21st century, not, all, not everything should be always done manually. But globally, this is our internal affair and is quite fixable. Not over, each options are fixable. Therefore, it's difficult to understand the Piremoga, the victorious feeling, that reigns in the, how he calls them, Hohol's channel, or the Zrada, disappointing feeling that reigns in some of our patriotic channels. This local, although extremely unpleasant episode, will not affect the final outcome of the military operation. If all conclusions are drawn, of course. And here I can squeeze in a little thing from my own and uh, from Girkin's perspective, that no conclusions will be drawn from this. If, if the, the Russian military would be able to draw conclusions they would have done so like four months earlier, and maybe actually mobilized and won the war, which would be a tragedy for everyone else, but hey, you know, we've all seen the corruption that's happening in the, in the Russian forces, so it's, it's weird. And finally, Roman Sapkonov. Sub- He's 
quite often quoted by larger channels, is confident that the reason for the explosion was a NATO weapon. This is the conspiracy one. I love this. This is just great. <clears throat> More interesting things today from observing the comments. Either I was attacked by a bot farm again, or truly most of the Turbo Patriots support the sabotage version. Look at what I suggest. What I suggest. The airfield was attacked with NATO weapons, most likely on target designation from an unmanned aircraft. Unpleasant? Yes. But this is a war. The, enemy we the enemy's weapons are good. They could get something good. We'll recoup. A Turbo Patriot comes into the comments. Nah, he says, these are saboteurs. I.e. drunk Vanya at the checkpoint led a Ukrainian saboteur into our territory. For a bottle of vodka or a bribe of 1,000 rubles to buy a bottle of vodka. Meanwhile, counterintelligence on the nearest beach was grilling barbecue and playing dominoes with visiting girls from Moscow. That's a good version. All good as long as it's not the gay NATO weapons. And uh, that was the direct quote. He literally said, as long as it's not the gay NATO weapons. It's just amazing. So, these are comments from kind of more Russian-sided guys, but who are not as cynical and, well, deep as Igor Girkin does. There's a reason why I like Igor Girkin as my favorite nemesis, since at least he's honest about it, and he's also seems to have lost all hope, which is very good news for me, personally. But, um, hey, it is what it is, but if I have to choose people who just refuse to ignore who who like refuse facts and ignore reality or people who well i strongly disagree with and i massively hate however who are you know at least honest in their analysis and um you know don't don't take anything for granted then igor girkin clearly is a step above of all of this and he writes quote I read, uh, or I read in the Margosha Shimanyan, that's the Russian propagandist channel, about the mm -mm, free-willing explosion of um, of various ammunitions in the airdrome near Novofedorovka. I'm surprised that uh, Margosha didn't didn't like borrow some creative experiences from her uh, from her other colleagues. And at this point. It is already at this point. Girkin states, "It's a long time that that we enter in our lexicon the phrase the explosions of conditioners, and then, well, slowly, uh, let's reveal that it's it's us who basically shot ourselves." Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Partners, partners are continuing to, to look for our red lines and, well, our, well, Russian traders and saboteurs through VIP clerks are looking to many reasons why to justify their sabotage. 
this was uh, a bit ago. And then Future On, basically, mm, <laughs> apparently, uh, the la latest thing that happened just before the, the last stuff was the fact that there were explosions and the ammunition in Novifidorovka, they exploded, but there was, well, there was no attack against them. Well, well, they were just lying as as they do, and then suddenly, in two places at the same time, well, it just randomly exploded. You know, happens. One chance, uh, one chance over a million in a million years. But you know, the army has all sorts of wonders and weird thing going on, and especially in ours. And then he goes into a massive triad and and kind of diatribe where he explains why the whole idea that you know Russian government can't even admit that they've been hit by something. Because out of irrational fear, or inability to act, or anything like that, is actually way worse than if they would just, you know, take one to the chin and actually claim that, yes, Ukrainians did strike us. Because what's going to happen right now isn't that uh, Russia's going to get any stronger, no. This just means that some generals want to keep their jobs, and that the air defenses will actually not, not be as, uh, well, as exact and precise as one could want. However, this explosion wasn't the only thing that I wanted to talk about in this episode. You see, there's another pro-Russian, pro-war telegram analyst. Atomic Cherry, he's called. And he uses data provided by the Russian Lost Armor, uh, OSINT team, combined with World War II and 20th century Soviet military studies, to determine an estimated number of Ukrainian casualties in all these months of war between Ukraine and Russia. And apparently... Well, in Russian media, and even Igor Girkinka stated that mm, that uh, basically many more have been killed, and they're lying about the numbers. You, basically, media claims that um, Ukraine armed forces are about to reach their disintegration point due to, due to losses in combat. And apparently, where combat losses have reached significant numbers, the Ukrainian forces remain very much combat capable. This pro-Russian analyst predicts that the Ukrainian army will be capable of continuing conducting military operations for at least one half to two years. So, this is the post, which is, again, pro-Russian. This is a pro-Russian telegram channel posting pro-Russian things. This is, why, this is why I keep using these sources, since, well, if Ukrainians would post that their casualties are actually pretty okay, uh, you know, it's war. And a lot of people lie, but when, you know, Ukrainians post about their own issues, then I tend to believe them. Same as when Russians post about their issues, especially from accounts that clearly want Russia to win. So, without further ado, here is um, what Atomic Cherry, using all sorts of data, kind of managed to show. And this is a bit of a long one, but we're going to finish with that. Quote, Previously, in texts dealing with the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, I, that is the Atomic Cherry, avoided the topic of military losses both for morale and ethical reasons, and also due to the lack of data from which any conclusions can be drawn. However, I recently came across a very interesting figure obtained by the Russian Lost Armor, OSINT team, which collected, oh, by the way, Russian Lost Armor is kind of, they, they specifically target vehicles. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm recording this a bit late still, but they specifically target vehicles and check out their losses and everything. However, they are also pro-Russian, just so you know. <clears throat> Continuing. Which collected and summarized data about killed officers at the armed forces on, on Ukraine. In total, we are talking about 960 commanders in the rank from colonel to junior lieutenant. And, uh, well, obviously, <laughs> Lost Armor in this case is a biased source, ideologically interested in the most accurate numbers of the losses of armed forces of Ukraine. 
in, in this situation, yeah, like I said, this plays a positive role. Why is it important? Based on the exact numbers of casualties among the officer corps, one can gauge what losses the Ukrainian army has suffered over the past five months of hostilities. First, an important clarification needs to be made. The current conflict is characterized by massive use of artillery, and it is the actions of artillery that are considered the main cause of losses among the personnel on both sides. For the correct calculation, it would be best to rely on the research of statistics of losses during the Second World War, which by its nature is closest to the current battles. In our case, these will be, and there he quotes his uh, sources, that uh, the cost of war, the human losses for the USSR in Germany, which was carried out by the Journal of Slavic Military Studies. Then there's another study by the Institute for Defense Analysis by one Leonard Weinstein, the relationship of battle damage due to combat performance, and, you know, all sorts of other kind of high-end research stuff about this thing. And then he explains how he calculated the losses. He states, On the average for the armed forces, the ratio of casualties of officers to soldiers is 1 to 24.7. The classic ratio of wounded to killed in wars with extensive use of artillery systems is 1 to 3. The unit losses combat capability upon... <clears throat> the unit loses combat capability upon reaching 35% casualty level. On average, taking into account the development of modern military medicine, 9% of the wounded became become disabled, unable to return to duty. So, what losses did the, Ukrainian, did the Ukrainian army suffer? And here he kind of calculates. From 23 to 24,000 killed. From 70 to 72,000 wounded. From 6.5 to 7,000 wounded who will not return to duty. Total number of irretrievable losses for Ukrainian army, as calculated by Atomic Cherry here, is 37,000 military personnel. The total number of losses, sanitary and irretrievable, is 108,000 soldiers. And, uh, yeah, he states here that the above figures, given the correctness of the data on the dead officers, are quite accurate. The margin of error fluctuates around 5,000 people. At first glance, such a number of dead and wounded seems staggering, and of course it's so from the point of view of universal morality. But from the point of view of military science, these figures look quite different. In the five months of large-scale hostilities, in conditions of a almost total fire superiority of the Russian troops, the armed forces of Ukraine suffered irretrievable losses of 14.5% of the total number of the pre-war professional army, 255,000 uh, or 5-3% of the wartime army, 700,000 people. And that suggests... This suggests that structurally, the Ukrainian army did not suffer losses that could undermine its ability to fight. For this, at least 35-40% to 40 of its personnel must be lost. Moreover, the armed forces of Ukraine have lost the psychological threshold of 100,000 wounded and killed. In a number of studies, one can find statements saying that upon reaching such a threshold, armies that have a certain defect in their organizational structure lose the ability to perform combat missions, which is not something we can observe in the example of Ukrainian armed forces. Therefore, the statements of individuals or the media about the imminent disintegration of the Ukrainian army due to heavy losses should be considered, at a minimum, irresponsible or incompetent, or, at a maximum, disinformation. P.S., as he states here. The number of prisoners of war in the calculations is based on Russian data, according to which there are from between six and 8,000 Ukrainian soldiers in captivity. Continuing on the topic of military losses, the following key points should be noted, and this is the interesting part of this post why I actually decided to include this in the episode. Noteworthy is the extremely low number of prisoners of war. The usual ratio of killed to captives in such conditions is 1 to 3. 
What is this related to? Probably a combination of factors, including a rather high motivation of personnel and a certain indicator of the quality of their training. The nature of hostility certainly plays a role. The 35-40% to 40% casualties threshold also does not mean that upon reaching it, the process of disintegration of the army begins. This indicates a significant decrease in its effectiveness and ability to conduct military operations. The overall level of losses does not reflect their impact on the combat capability of mechanized units. These require calculations of a different nature, taking into account both losses in armored vehicles and personnel. The theses that are backed on the, based on the fact that upon reaching a certain threshold of losses, the unit uses the will and motivation to continue combat operations are false. Where the morale of the troops is high, even very large losses will not bring the unit out of combat capability. The average monthly losses of the armed forces of Ukraine, including sanitary ones, range from 21 to 22,000 soldiers. The Ukrainian army is capable of conducting operations with the preservation of current effectiveness for at least 7-8 more months, depending on the nature of their intensity, without the infusion of additional mobilized units. Taking into account the emerging positional confrontation, this period can stretch up to one year, taking into account the infusion of fresh reinforcements from one to one and a half to two years. And uh, he notes, these figures do not take into account changes in the military technical equipment of troops in the direction of decreasing or improving quality. And finally, apparently, the additional stability of the Ukrainian army is secured by the fact that the mobilized soldiers are used to be deployed in the Soviet-type battalions, i.e. with a large number of personnel that is directly involved in the hostilities. Such units can continue fighting even when losing 70% of their personnel. And let me remind you, Atomic Chetty, the author of this research, is a pro-Russian guy, very much like Gherkin. So, I tend to believe him. And, you know... This is ignoring the fact that the Russian side might have actually overplayed their own their own losses that they've incurred to the enemy. Even if we accept that every single fact that the Russia states and postulates about the, the how much damage they are inflicting, even with that, apparently, even with that, pro-Russian, actual pro-Russian people, pro-war people who are not propagandists, can figure out that um, it's not going to be easy, even if, you know, they would mobilize or something. Which is good news for us, and uh, something a bit positive, I think, to finish finish this episode off. At any rate, до свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening. Again, thank you for everyone who visited my speaking event, and I really hope to maybe meet you if you're somewhere on the East Coast in the next few days. And, of course, remember that happiness is mandatory. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.